New things coming. If you liked us in 2018, just wait. Yeah. We're hotter. And we're bigger, bolder, weeks, guys. Uh, good morning and welcome to Downloadable Coffee Dallas. I'm your host, Rebecca, and joining me today is Michael Sewell and Shay. This podcast is where we recap the game events happening around the DFW area and beyond, as well as look back at the topics that took over the VGOCC last week. Now, we have been off the air for a good three weeks, yep, and yep. there's a lot of things that have happened. Uh, it, not a whole lot of events, although there have been a few here and there. But a lot of news has gone down. Bethesda, Blizzard, whatnot have just been, like, going on. Uh, So before we jump into the last three weeks that we've missed, let's talk about some of the upcoming events. Of course, we have the game... um, So upcoming events, because I'm not going to talk about anything that we've missed. Uh, (laughs) Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. We have the Game Dev Drink Up on Thursday, second Thursday of every month. So this one is the first one of the new year. Welcome to 2019, everybody. Yeah, happy new year. Happy yeah, new year. happy new year. Hello. <laughs> uh, I can't do a streamer noise. Kazoo. <laughs> yeah, and I forgot my kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's a thing. Uh, Dallas Society of Play is also having their first show and play of the year as well. Uh, that's next Monday, right? Yeah, should be next Monday. I'll be there. What time and location? It is at Node Coworking. Hasn't changed. Still there at Node Coworking, and it starts at seven. Usually, yeah. Usually, right. it was originally supposed to be with uh, with a different guy, but their speaker kind of rolled out at the last minute, so they yes. switched it to the show and play the first show and play of the year. Cool. So, if you have a game that you're wanting to show, bring it there. Let the uh, let the organizers know. We actually had one of the organizers on here last year, uh, that second week of December, just before we. <laughs> We disappeared with um, Russell Fisher. Fincher. Thank you. Russell was on. He was here ta- telling us a little bit about about uh, Dallas Society of Play or Society of Play and his his company, Sickhead Games. Um, so if you want to go check that out, you can roll back and find find that out. And I wish I had the episode name so it's easier to search. But it's like the second to last episode before we disappeared. Yeah, for in our own little break. <laughs> yeah, this year we're we back, baby. We should definitely yeah. plan for like the end of the year and how to how to tackle yeah. that. Last year was the first year we actually ran. We did over forty five episodes last year. Well, it's not the end of the year for us yet because I I think the last week of January is when we started last year. You're right. You're so right. We got like what three more episodes before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our anniversary. Here. Yeah. Oh man. I we just special. We we did it all We're gonna every, fireworks right here in this room. <laughs> we did it almost every single week last year. Maybe except for like of course the end of the year, Thanksgiving, and I think there was like two or three weeks in between where none of us could meet up. Yeah. Um, and because we're locked into this kind of space at Nerdvana, which thank you, Nerdvana, for being awesome, for still letting us host coming into two thousand. For letting us use fireworks. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't actually do that. Christy Fishford would murder me. (laughs) 
Anyway. Yeah, so we're <laughs> talking we're talking about what we can do with the podcast, how to grow, how to grow the club. Um, so if you want to be a part of those conversations, tune in to the Discord where we're going to have those conversations a little bit more going on in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so any other events? Uh, well, yes, there is, of course, the Dallas IGDA Christmas party is coming up on February 16th. Uh, I believe the Eventbrite for those tickets will be online pretty soon. Mm. I'll have more information on that shortly. And for those who like to donate and watch Let's Plays of games at the same time, uh, the Awesome Games Done Quick has started for the week. That is a, I think it's a 128-hour marathon. Mm. Uh, seven days straight through of people speedrunning games uh, for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Okay. Uh, they do this every year, first week of January, and they also do it in the summer for Summer Games Done Quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I've been watching for many years now. Uh, but if you get a chance, tune in, check it out. Um, I believe Twitch donates uh, a large sum of money towards the end just based on their max like viewer count. So by tuning in, you are also helping to contribute to the donations for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Awesome. Uh, backing up real quick to the IGDA party. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you guys doing... So there was one year you guys did the uh, Developer Alley, which you had board games and video games. Are you guys going to be doing that again this year? Absolutely. We call it the Indie Alley. Mm-hmm. Where we have that, and there will be uh, board games from local board game companies, and we're working on a group of indie developers to come and showcase their work there as well. Mm-hmm. So we're already working with the... Uh, <clears throat> Dallas Society of Play, mm-hmm. and we're reaching out to as many local devs as we can. Mm-hmm. So if you have something you would like to show uh, during the Dallas IGDA Winter Party, uh, please hit us up or uh, contact me or Ray or Daniel or anybody here or ping in the Discord. All right. How can they reach out to anybody in the Dallas and in the IGDA if they want to be a part of it? Do, is there a Facebook group or a Facebook page or a Twitter account that they go follow? Uh, there is a Twitter account. There is a Facebook page. Uh, none of which I have the information of right this very second. <laughs> it's actually the da- it's, it's yeah. uh, IGDA Dallas because uh, I was actually originally on the the board a couple right, of years right. ago before you got in there. <laughs> I think when I quit was when um, was when you and and uh, our other host who's not here today. David. Yes, David. <laughs> Oh, I forgot his name. (laughs) David, uh, David, you and David got into the IG day just as I was leaving. So (laughs) this is pretty funny. Okay. Um, But they have a, they do have a Facebook group. You're looking for the uh, IGDA or International Game Developer Association Dallas chapter. Yes. That's who you're looking for. Not just the all up Dallas chapter. Every area also has their own chapter. If they don't have one, maybe you can start one, but go check out the IGDA IGA.org? Uh, yes, I believe that's Yeah, that should be it. And you can find any information there about who or what is happening in your area that's related to your chapter or what's going on with the IGA. Okay, so that includes upcoming events. So let's go ahead and hop into the recap. Recap. So, like we mentioned, we have a lot of news, but thankfully, while we're going through, through the Discord, we noticed that there was a very common theme through everything, uh, Blizzard, Bethesda, and we've decided for, instead of trying to run through and hit every single article that was in there, we're just going to grab the ones that caught our attention and talk on them. So, we'll start with Michael. Uh, right. This is about Blizzard, right? 
Uh, no, actually, Blizzard's my last okay. one. I've got like three that I wanted to. Oh, about. okay. I'm sorry. I miss. I see like. Yeah, I'm trying we, to catch we up. A bunch of articles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go for article it. Article soup. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing, uh, first article I have is talking about potential next gen consoles. Oh yeah. There's a lot of speculation that we'll find out about the PlayStation Five and the next Xbox sometime this year. Uh, and I was thinking we could take that opportunity to talk about what you'd like to see in the next-gen console. What do you think's going to happen? So, real quickly, backtracking just to last year, some sure, of the things sure. that we have heard, uh, Scarlet, which is from Microsoft, that Project is their... Project Yeah, Project Scarlet is their live stream box. It's something similar to the stream mm-hmm. box that that Valve had released, like, what, three, four years ago? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. so they're doing uh, Scarlet. There's rumors on the meal that are talking about how the next Xbox might not have disc at all. It might just be old downloadable games, uh, which is going to be really interesting because that's going to have huge impact on the physical physical game cells for GameStop and and whatnot. and then just looking at who is the other one? PlayStation. PlayStation Five has been talking about it. Like Sony has been talking about place the a, a new thing, but it was also like they were thinking about not releasing any any more consoles. And that was the same thing that Microsoft was yeah, talking mm-hmm. about was just not releasing any more consoles and just releasing iterations. But who knows at this point? What I would like to see yeah. out of PlayStation Five. I just want Jack and Daxter. <laughs> like, a new Jack and Daxter? <laughs> just give me a Jack and Daxter game. Okay, like, okay. I, I've, we've seen some of the other titles come back pretty much. Uh, I mean, Spyro. even Sly, Spyro, Sly Cooper. Yeah, Spyro's more on the nostalgia side, side and they hasn't have like a new wait, wait, actual wait, 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 game. Wait, they put out a new Sly Cooper? Or a remastered Sly Cooper? Not, not a remastered Sly Cooper. Yes, they did put out a remastered Sly Cooper, but there was an entire new Sly Cooper game, which was, uh, yeah, what Time Warp or something like that. Where you get that movie in 2016. <laughs> the Sly Cooper movie? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, this is kind of a spoiler alert, but the game is like three years old now. You go back in time and you play as Ancestors. Okay. Uh, that was the new Sly Cooper game. Gotcha. And that they did the release, uh, they did the remaster, and then they did the release of the new game with it. So that stuff's. I would love just to see an entirely new take on the Jack and Daxter. Like we know how the story ended. Is there a continuation with it, or would they find new characters in that universe? I just love that universe to be honest. Yeah. And I, I've missed it a great deal. So if that came back, I'd be number one. Ooh. Before we forget, don't. Oh no! Wait, I'm gonna mention it later. Go for it. <laughs> well, I, the two, the two theories I keep hearing is yeah. either everything's gonna be all cloud-based kind of streaming, mm-hmm. um, or the the other thing I'm hearing is with the success of the Switch, that's kind of gotten to a point that it's hard to ignore. There, I, a lot of people, I think Joel and, and a couple others, were thinking that it would be silly for them to. Um, to not try and do some sort of thing like the Switch where your console can also be on the go since the Vita has not been... That's true. I I don't agree with that, though. Uh, Like, Nintendo has had huge success with a lot of their handheld stuff. I don't know. It's... It would be kind of a bad move for for them to kind of go toe to toe. It would just be essentially relaunching the console wars in handheld mode, right? And that's that that's where that would go. And I don't think that's a smart move. Right. And Sony's lost that consistently. Yeah, yeah. Sony has definitely lost that. Which I think that was part of their argument was, well, we can't we can't seem to make a like just the PS Vita 
sell, but if we make our console able to do like both, a hybrid, like, yeah, a switch, like yeah, the yeah. Switch, then maybe, but mm. who knows? Those are just the two theories that I keep. I mean, if I were Sony, I would double down on the higher quality console experience mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as opposed to the lower quality but hybrid experience. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not that the Switch is low quality or anything. Mm-hmm. But I think Microsoft's Project Scarlet, which is more than just a set-top box, mm-hmm. that's their like stream game service yeah. that you could do with mobile, the controller, or with your laptop, or the tablet, or any device, and you just log into their servers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can fix the lag problems, oh, I yeah. think that could be incredible. The IoT, I think uh, if we're talking about IoT, the Internet of Things is really what that industry is called. Uh, the IoT space is actually really interesting in how it's evolving. Mm-hmm. Right? In, in if there is a company that might be able to kind of link everything up, I think Microsoft would be probably at the top of that list. We already know that they're doing that sort of with uh, Halo, not Halo. Um, you don't think America Online? Halo, Halo, what is America it? Online, AOL? Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, what, what is their headset called again? The HoloLens? Thank you. The HoloLens. We see them kind of today, um, tinkering around with the HoloLens. And we, we can kind of see how they're how they're tackling each, even the legacy, pro- the lag problem, right? right we right. see how they're ca- tackling that. Even... Even the legacy problems that they had with games that are on old consoles, you can now play them. Most of them uh, due to backwards compatibility and stuff like that. Although I really wish they would clean up that whole system in itself because you have to load up an entire instance of th- a 360 in order to play some of the games, and it doesn't translate well sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think they're the closest to kind of solving that whole problem, and we can kind of see how it all works just with how Fortnite is performing with its whole IoT space. Sure, yeah. Um, I think what I'm most excited for, if we are to hear anything about it, which I highly doubt this year, uh, would be a no, another new Nintendo console. I want to see an iteration of the Switch, and I think Nintendo's going to do that, because they've, in the past, they've had their handhelds, the Game Boy Advance, the DS, the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Each of those have had, at minimum, two iterations of the same yeah, console. Yeah, the 3DS so for sure. Like a smaller form factor, change it up, mm-hmm. right? I would like to see something like that for the Switch. Uh, and just to let everybody know, what brought this topic on was the GameVault.com article, which is PS5 and next Xbox announcements in 2019. PS4 Xbox sales to decline, says NPD and analysts. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're suggesting that if they announce the 2019... or uh, Sorry, if they announce what their next consoles are going to be in 2019, then that will mean declining sales of current consoles, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. The, the, it also is saying that this is a transition year, yeah. and despite how former console war generations have happened, last year actually saw an increase in sales both for the Xbox and the PS4. Um, so that that was something that caught that analyst's eye and said it would be interesting to see how this is going to, mm-hmm. how 2019 will affect 2020. Okay. Then what's your next one? Yeah, yeah. Next up, uh, Spider-Man. So this article, uh, this article comes from IndieWire. The Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse script was released by Sony online, so you can just read it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the out. movie? Huh? Yes. yes, and that's what I want. Really, what I wanted to talk about was okay. how awesome that movie. Was. So, I still haven't seen it. Uh. So, uh, <laughs> man, like I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just here's a here's a little thing. Anybody that's gonna go see that movie. If you have seizures or if you're prone to seizures, don't watch it. It's That's got true, yes. a lot of flashing lights. 
I went and saw it in like that double max Let's audio oh audio sound like it was and I walked out of that I was myself under sensory overload because there's just so many flashing lights so much sound the soundtrack is phenomenal fuck that noise whatever I'm not changing it but it was just <laughs> it was just so great like yes, even the story yes. I, I, I was talking seeing like online so we're not going to get into like the whole story on it because we have somebody that hasn't and we also have a co- co-host of ours that will get super upset if we spoil anything right right uh, so but the thing that 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 I really enjoyed out of it and what I saw a lot of people online saying including in my own social networks were how it was a great break from the traditional origin films that we see in in the hero space, right? Just the just the whole way that they unfolded his origin story was just right, right. Brilliant. Well, so I'm not going to give any spoilers, but mm-hmm. this is a basic you can gather from the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one follows the successor to Spider-Man, which is Miles Morales. Oh, it's so great! He's the uh, first Spider-Man that's that's not white. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> first. One. Uh, and I don't want to go into any other other details there, but it's a fully animated feature. They mixed animating on ones and animating on twos, which is a, a style to make things. It, it, it's more like an anime style. Uh, is that why it looks? Frames. Is that why it looks so like almost like a clay like animation? Yes, yeah, it, you could say that it looks kind of like claymation. Uh, that's an intentional style choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they the stylization and the the post process effects that they've done in this movie. Uh, are just just spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. It is definitely an epileptic like trigger, <laughs> so yeah. be careful if you're epileptic. But uh, but man, they, the way they do uh, just something simple. The way they do their um, depth of field. Mm-hmm. You know how if uh, I mean you guys know what depth of field is, yeah. but just for anybody in the audience who might not know, uh, if you're looking at like a person in front of you and then something behind them is blurry, that's like the depth of field, right? The thing that you're focused on is in focus. The way they do this is they, instead of just putting it out of focus, they shift the colors sort of like the red, blue, uh, old 3D gotcha. style, like chromatic aberration. That explains it. I was mm-hmm. so confused because I was like, am I supposed to have, like, I, lo- I even looked back and that was like bad thing to do because like the couple behind me were wearing glasses, so oh, it yeah. threw me off. But I thought it was a 3D movie and I, ha- I just wasn't handed the glasses in some parts of it. Yeah, it's <laughs> So very interesting, and they, they use that to like mimic comic book styling. Mm-hmm. They do a ton of ton of the cool comic book effects. You know the the dot oh, shading, yeah. the line shading, the cross hatch shading. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It also won the Golden Globe for best animated feature. It did uh, this week. It did. Oh man, it's just it from from story to soundtrack to visuals. It just hit all the points you really want to see in a movie, especially a comic book movie, and, and it just hit everything. So yeah. I love. Love it. <laughs> uh, like yeah, six copies up. I don't know. Six it's, expressions. It's a typical superhero movie. It's not the oh, yeah. superhero. Oh, yeah. It, yes. it hits some of those beats, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, so oh, we'll, we're just going to, we'll leave it there. Oh, and just to close on that, to leave it, to leave that kind of there, they do have the Spider-Man outfit from there in the new Spider-Man game. Oh, they In the that? Spider-Man game. Yeah, in the Spider-Man game. Okay, so what's the next thing you have? Yeah, and the last one that I wanted to talk about, uh, so this is the first of many Blizzard articles <laughs> that we'll, we'll be talking about. Um, <clears throat> so apparently, according to Game Rant, uh, <clears throat> Blizzard has started to uh, has started a program where they will pay off employees who are uh, to quit 
essentially, who are less passionate about working on, on their games. So they offer them a, a buyout so that they can leave amicably with some sort of package without having, you know, a slow burn out of the company. Right. That's very interesting. It's the second company we've seen do that. What was the first? The first one? Riot. Riot? Riot did that a uh, year and a half ago, year ago. Right, like as that. in Riot Games. Yes, okay. Riot Games also did that. Uh, oh, that's why. Because, well, I mean, I get it because they've had like the same one game for like the last four or five years now. Yeah, and they wanted to they wanted to build their team such that only people who are passionate about the game that they work on and the games that they're working on were the ones focusing on it. Yeah, which I understand, but you know, it it, le- it, it our, kind of they feed their kids right now. In in that kind of thing, we didn't actually talk about that during during last year. Just yeah. kind of recapping some of the things that happened last year, right? Right was brought into because of the culture right, right? right. And, and so that so I, I had no idea that they were doing that but one of the things we didn't talk about was how bringing in same like-minded people over and over again kind of creates stagnation right and that's kind of what hit hit riot this last this last time in addition and that's also what hit um tall tales is that they right, had right. no innovation on their on their games whatsoever so you you got you picked up a tall tale game you knew exactly what you're gonna get you're gonna hit hit you're gonna hit these buttons in order to make a choice and that was the same every single game um there was no change in that even if the story was different the mechanics were right, always the right, same right. right so bringing in the same thing continuing to develop the same stuff creates a stagnation that, that i can understand people don't want to get hooked on and the only other choice for a lot of these developers is to just walk out of the company Right, so it's actually really cool that there are companies like Blizzard and Riot that did that are doing like this slow release for them. Right. So what I'm wondering is, Riot started their program mm-hmm. uh, before all of the drama last year. Right. Right. So I'm wondering if this actually further created that environment of like-minded people, and it forced an only like-minded people environment. Mm. Uh, I wonder if this led to more of a boys club than they previously had. That's an interesting look at it. Like, the people who are tired of things there could opt for the buyout, go find another job with, while still being secure mm-hmm. while they were searching. The and you would see the people that culture. were most frustrated with the whole boys' culture being the ones to take the option to leave, thus mm-hmm. creating the culture mm-hmm. that we see. That would, yeah, I can see that being a contributing factor. Yeah. Um, but this leads me to, the, the reason that I wanted to talk about this article, though, is that there was another thread on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm going to open that, that thread real quick because uh, there's one particular response to this thread that really hits home with me. Real uh, quickly, can yeah. we do a recap of what's going on with Blizzard and Activision just in case it's like people it, are It just... relates really close. Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying let's do a real re- quick recap on what happened last year. Sure. Um, so we know uh, Activision has started to take over Blizzard in, in some ways and there's there's been a change of guard. Uh, old leadership has left. New leadership is being I- implemented. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing a change in how they, how the company is now doing business. Right, where they they've talked about Activision itself has talked about implementing more and more in-game transactions and so on and so forth. Now, during BlizzCon last year, we saw there we saw kind of the first inklings of what what the new Blizzard under Activision kind of is, or at least that's how people are calling it. Uh, we had. It, what happened? It was at BlizzCon where they announced it, Diablo. 
the new Diablo game that's on mobile. That kind of triggered kind of this fallout for them uh, of things, right? And right, after right. that, we started seeing developers come out and talk against the whole movement, talk against Activision and Blizzard's merging, so on and so forth. And so this, this I'm assuming, kind of continues on that train or is from a different viewpoint. Well, I wonder if, uh, because of Activision taking a heavier hand, if more people have become vocal against that, people who, you know, have, mm-hmm. you know, grown working at Blizzard for so many years, mm-hmm. and now they're offering this buyout kind of program for those who are dissatisfied with mm-hmm. how that's being handled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I worry about the same issue that Riot had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, that Twitter that I was referring to, uh, a user named uh, Okonomiyonda, uh, or at Okonomiyonda, started a thread among game developers just asking, you know, what surprised you the most or was way different than you expected when you first got into games? Um, and he gave some examples. There was one in particular that hit home with me, and it kind of relates to this, uh, mm-hmm. by Jonathan Cooper, who's pretty popular on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. at Game Man. Um, and he says he was surprised how many on his first team had zero passion for their jobs and just saw it as a nine-to-five, right? And, and most of those people were 15-year vets, the most experienced of all of them, who just saw it as a, a grind. Um, yeah, this is something that I've seen at, uh, at a bunch of the places that I've, I've checked out. Mm-hmm. And it's something that really bothers me. It's kind of like a disenchantment, yes. right? When you're, yes. when you're on the outside and you're, you're like, man, I just want to be the cool person that makes the story. Like, from my own experience, I was like, I want to be the cool person that makes the stories that people like to play. But then when you sit down, you start to realize there's a lot of work that goes into just writing the game narrative in itself, not to talk about how you're going to implement both the game narrative and the mechanics so that they marry properly, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, it le- it's suddenly, there's like this break in where you go, this is not fun, right? And I, I think back to a, a quote that somebody said to me was just like, don't make your biggest passion your job because you'll come to hate it, right? And so I can kind of understand. And at first, I didn't understand what that meant. But now being a, a I was a blog writer that goes into being a CEO. Like these last two years for me alone, I actually fell out of love with some writing. Mm-hmm. There's just like some things I don't want to ever write, and, and, but I have to because it's part of my job, right? right? And right. so it's the career you built for yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> in, but so you lose some of that mystique and that and that just like the wonder that comes with being on the other side of it. Yeah. So I can see that. At what point does that like that? That's kind of a natural occurrence, of mm-hmm. this, right? In in some ways. <clears throat> So, at what point does that hit a point of apathy to where you end up with an attitude that is toxic to other or yeah. younger developers? So, and that's, that's the problem that I, I encounter and I'm uh, mm-hmm. not furious with, mm-hmm. but annoyed with. It's kind of one of those things that if they're unhappy, why? And this goes back kind of like when I when I t- think of like unhappy employees, I think it's on kind of the leadership to kind of reach out and go, I see you're unhappy, why? Is it because the game's not innovated? Is it because we ignored your idea? Did you pitch your idea several times and now you feel like your voice isn't taking into account, right? Those sorts of things can play into the whole sure. the psychological side of like why these people just start to think of it as a nine to five, right? They, they might have pitched. I know there's a friend of mine who's pitched a game several times in his company, and it wasn't 
taken seriously. And eventually he just moved to a new place, right? Because he was just like, well, if they don't value my input, why am I going to continue to work with a team that doesn't listen to it? And that kind of goes back to something you guys talked on a couple, like 10 podcasts ago at this (laughs) point, where you were looking at um, kind of the whole culture in general in a company and how leadership is always like, the, the grunts need to be like on board all the time. Well, the problem with that is like, if you don't give them a chance to grow, then they're gonna feel stagnated. Right. And I can see Absolutely. that a lot with the these 15 year vets. You've been making the same kind of games for 15 years. When does the innovation come back in? When does the excitement come back? And for some of them, they may not see it. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, you know, you say it's a leader, it's the leadership's role to, you know, talk to those people and try to encourage them in new ways. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Blizzard's just given up on that, and that's another reason they've started this buyout program. Like, if you're not happy working here anymore, then there's an out. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it could be because there's so many new changes going on, they just don't have time to sit down right now, mm-hmm. right? Because of all the transition, until the dust settles, they might not be able to give time to to the employees. On the other side of that, while it is up to the leadership to bring it in, the employees also have to make themselves known, right? So if you're just one of those people that sits by, and I, I've worked at in I've worked in a company where everybody just showed up because they want that was like the way. I'm just there for my paycheck. Okay, that's fine. Then you're always going to be there for that paycheck. But if you're want somebody that wants to grow and, and become more, then you have to be vocal about it. You have to be loud and always searching for the next step. And that actually defines kind of the millennial generation as a whole. Like we're always wanting to grow. We're always wanting to expand. And if we feel like we're in just this niche, we're going to be unhappy. I like that definition of a millennial because that sounds way counter to every other definition of a millennial I've ever heard. That's that's true. And that's exactly where I'm at. You know, I I hit a stagnation point with some of my content, so I found a new direction to grow in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you've got problems with it, as long as you're being vocal with your superiors and not just complaining to your coworkers, that's when I have a huge problem with it is if you're just going to complain to your workers, but then when your bosses ask you to do something unreasonable or unethical and you just suck it up and do it anyway because it's your job, well, that's not helping anyone. Right. And now we have to, on the side, listen to all this complaining and stuff. Make make a change. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where it hits toxicity. Right. Because it starts to impact the morale of of Mm -hmm. your coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But if something's broke, definitely, like, don't ever give up. Like, (laughs) go out of your way to get it fixed. It's only Mm -hmm. a broke thing broke. Yeah. Well, that's that's the articles that I wanted to talk about. All right. What's, what um, was an article? I'm, yeah, I've got a couple quick ones to mm-hmm. piggyback on the the Blizzard stuff. So let me make sure I'm getting the... PC Gamer? PCGamer.com mm-hmm. um, is reporting on... It looks like Activision Blizzard has fired their... I, I believe it was fired. They, their CFO. Yeah, they their, make it sound like it was definitely a termination. Um like, yeah, uh, their their chief financial officer. Yep. Yeah, sorry. An that's that's a really scary move. To, like it, Spencer, how do you pronounce that? Newman Nielsen. Oh, sorry. Uh, I may have misread them. And of course, the article shut down on my phone right away. N e u m a n n Newman Newman. Newman Newman. He's reportedly off to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he's been. Yeah, that's right. Sniped by Netflix uh, as their new CFO, 
Um, and this doesn't say, like, the according to this article, like, Activision Blizzard has not said why he's been terminated, but they did specifically say it has nothing to do with the current financial status of the company or, like, the alleged, you know, debacles yeah, that, yeah. Have, that have happened in recent past, but they, they won't they won't say exactly why. So I'm curious if y'all have heard. Uh, it was interesting to me. I saw another article on it. Uh, they let him know ahead of time that they were going to be firing him. And then on the day they actually did it, he immediately got picked up by Netflix. Uh, well, that means when he got told, when he was given like the early warning that he was already let, casting out yeah, his net some, of people. Some whispers go. Yeah. You see that kind of um, a lot. So financial officers, but also with with um, programmers, like really good programmers, all they have to do is let themselves be known that they're yeah. open and they will be snapped up real quick, which is why good programmers are hard to come by um, so quickly. Um, then there was a Kotaku article um, just called the title of the article is a bunch of former top Hearthstone designers are making a Marvel game, and that's the, that, that <laughs> essentially is the the entire uh, right because the Hearthstone. Of the well, uh, so wait, Hearthstone, right? Which was or yeah, that's how you Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Thank you. It has. It, this is like one of those words with my dyslexia. It just goes <laughs> nope. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> so uh, we we know that they that Blizzard announced that they were going to go ahead and shut down the development mm-hmm. on Heart Hearthstone um, with the th sound. Uh, so we under we, we we know that that happened, and the question was well, what was, was going to happen to a lot of that was Heroes of the Storm though, right? The uh, yeah, actually, it was Heroes of the Storm that they ah. they stopped development on. Uh, and they stopped producing esports events for it. So uh, I didn't hear, hear anything about Hearthstone. Yeah, my bad. I, I don't <laughs> it's know. Probably what, me. Well, I mean, Here, I, I mean, it could have been another one of the things that they that they shut down. Even you, you know, so maybe we just haven't, yeah, I don't. We missed the news cycle or something. But uh, yeah, I guess Ben Brode and it says Ben Brode and several of his colleagues left Blizzard last year, and now they are. Uh, working on a new game with, I guess, a partner of... Um, oh, sorry, let me... NetEase is a Chinese company called NetEase who is a co-developer on Diablo Immortal. Mm. Um, the, they're, I guess, working under them and they got... Uh, I guess they're an investor and they got a decent chunk of money to make a Marvel game. That's awesome. You know, you hear about these stories where people splinter off yeah. from one company and form their own. That's how Gearbox was formed. It was, you know, Randy Pitchford and a bunch of uh, a bunch of other developers teaming up that were, you know, from 3D Realms, which is the old Duke Nukem factory. Yeah, right? yeah. <clears throat> Among many other classic games, uh, and they they formed this studio and built up from there. So I hope these guys do well. Wish you yeah. Luck. Well, and like, so it it was interesting to me because and so I started reading through the comments as as you all know I like to do mm-hmm. um, and somebody even mentioned like what about non-compete agreements and stuff like that and I don't know if this is true I haven't I haven't researched it but somebody popped up in the in the comments and said non-competes are illegal in California that's, I had not heard that before that's that's uh, not right well there was uh, there was something about that recently because there was a lot of um, sniping of animators between animation studios out there in California. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were uh, capping wages, wage increases based on like job hopping. 
Um, and there was like an agreement between these companies in secret to like don't you know don't offer them that much more than whatever to discourage that kind of job. Okay. Gotcha. But that was determined to be illegal. Yeah. That might not be related though. They, uh, yeah. Not non competes aren't exactly illegal, but I don't know enough legal wise in order to yeah, really talk yeah. on need, it. We need Tyler. All right, Tyler. Um, so maybe we should put that as one of our topics that we say we'll come back to. Yeah. <laughs> to. Put a pin in there. <laughs> so pin in there. It's more like a nail at this point. <laughs> Just never gets taken down. Um, the last article I had um, was pretty short and it does that thing that I know you don't like. I, I'm not a huge fan of it either, where it just kind of ends on a question and doesn't solve its own problem. Which one's that? Um, this, this is the article. It's from GameIndustry.biz. Uh, it's called, To Be a Good Game Designer, You Have to Be a Good Designer First. Actually, I was just I was just perusing through it while you were talking. Because uh, it actually caught my eye, too. But you've read it, yeah. so talk on it. Oh, uh, I mean, there's not a, a whole lot to it. Uh, some of the interesting takeaways is... Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've all seen. Well, this is a master class. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing to me is I'm sure you've all seen the master class ads floating around on Facebook and other social media sites where like they usually bring in comedians and actors like Steve Martin and different people to mm-hmm. to teach these master classes. This is the first one I've seen where they brought in a game designer to teach a master class. Um, let me find his name again. It's, it's a, I lost it. I had it, and I don't want to misquote. Um, uh, Will Wright. Yeah, Will Wright, the, who I guess was a lead designer or one of the designers on SimCity and The Sims, uh, is going to be teaching a master class. And he, he talks about several things in this article. He talks about how you know his generation of game designers didn't have the this influx that we have today of colleges and programs mm-hmm. where you can get like a game in or a degree in how to make video games. Excuse me. Um, they didn't have that back then. They were just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. You had, like, designers and programmers and computer engineers that just kind of, like, started making video games, I guess. Um, and he says that today, and I don't know, you would know being in the game industry better than better than I would, um, but he says that people who, I guess, get degrees in game design, it's less focused on like design principles and why you would you know pair a particular mechanic with you know other particular game pieces based on you know whatever sense of design and it's more like game engineering or how to make you know specific pieces of games or game taxonomy like how to categorize parts of games or game genres and things like that and it's not so focused on the like the actual design. Yeah, the art side of it. I could agree with that. Uh, it, it kind of, de- I'm sure it depends from school to school how they how they handle their programs. But from my experience, most of these programs, uh, it's a lot of, like, we're going to give you the tools to fail a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody that goes through that program is going to fail until they figure out their own, like, chunk of, oh, okay, this seems right. I agree, right. though. It's... Without, like, a solid set of principles. So going, going back to what you said, game engineering that's that's a lot more of what we're talking you're given like you said you're given a whole lot of these tools and then you're told figure out how to put it together in order to create the game Mm -hmm. right so you're actually stepping out of the mind of like a design how do i make these pieces look 
like kind of mesh well, but also work in a way that's sensible to the user and more look of it. How do I get all these different tools to work together in order to create a game that somebody might play? Right. right and right. it's a lot more engineering in that regard than it is more on the design design side of it. I mean, um, there are straight design classes mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of schools. I know at UTD they have them. And by tools, I don't just mean like Unreal and Maya and the software mm-hmm. necessary. I mean like, uh, you know, the basics MSP. classes, the, <laughs> uh, the tools being like putting a team together mm-hmm. and giving you the time necessary to hammer out these things and the more abstract kind of tools. Project management and so on. So sure. Far. Well, yeah, project management yeah. is its own thing. Yeah. Um, which actually, I've never seen a class for that. Wait, no, never mind. That's not true. I, I had to take a class. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's usually like one class, but it's also buried within. It's considered one of like the less fundamental parts of, of it, so it gets yeah. buried in the whole thing of it. Unless it's something you definitely want to do, then you have to step out of it. In the college that I went to, I went to DeVry University before the whole thing with DeVry University happened, um, which they got sued. In case you're wondering, oh. uh, they had a, a degree that was called Gaming and Simulations Programming. But the way that they marketed, and this is one of the reasons why they got called into into question, is that they did poor mark. They did um, what do you call it? Misdirection, kind of. Yeah. So they true. they would tell you that you'd be able to make a game, right? Yes, that's true, but the way that my particular school, because I went to the one in Irving, it was more like engineering. You were taught all the pieces you needed to know in order to create an actual game engine. So they were teaching people how to make Unreal 4 and not how to use Unreal 4. That's how my particular school worked. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then towards your senior class, you would everybody would kind of pick the roles that they wanted to. So if somebody wanted to focus on the physics side, they can do the physics engine. If somebody wanted to fo- focus on the particles, they would do that. And if somebody wanted to run the team, they could do that, right? And that was how our, our school worked. I didn't go all the way through. I switched my degree from gaming and simulations programming over to multimedia and design, which was... I should have just left the school. <laughs> so it was, um, so there was a lot of things that my particular school taught where if you went down to the GD, to the Austin crew, mm-hmm. the Austin uh, DeVry, they were actually teaching their students how to use Unity. So there was a completely different course program for their school versus our school. And when you brought all the device students together at GDC over in San Francisco, you would see how like our students had built their game engine, had built their game completely from scratch, everything from scratch versus the other schools who all were doing using either Unreal or an existing engine to kind of program off of. Uh, but again, what you would also notice is that our class, our UI was not the greatest versus the others whose UIs were a lot better because they had already existing systems and they could focus on how to make it look nice for users. Right. right? right. And that I, so I can kind of see where he's coming from in this idea of just like, if you're going to be a designer, you need to understand how to make things look good. Yeah. Most, most right, people right, kind of right. overlook it. And, and going back, like just to pull an example on that, think of how you didn't like one aspect of uh, Monster Hunter, which was the tool and how it glowed and how it broke, right? If there was something, you mentioned if there was something away, like physically within the line of sight, that yeah. would tell you that your tool was getting ready to break and therefore be unusable, it'd be a lot easier for you. But they chose to put everything on the, ra- on the edges of the screen. 
right? There's a great talk that one of our people in the area does about the difference uh, UI and how it's done and how information is displayed on screen versus different ways. And, and that's kind of going back to why, as a designer, you should kind of understand how things are seen visually versus just how they're done mechanically. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the article does kind of end on a funny, like, uh, it does that thing where <laughs> I know you've mentioned in the past not liking it <laughs> when, an, when an article ends with a question and doesn't. I know, really it bothers me so much. Like, uh, what, let me find it. All, all of these things are part of game design. So the first thing is, how do you teach somebody to be a great designer first because they're about to enter one of the most challenging fields there is. To me, this is the fundamental way to teach game design. <laughs> that just <laughs> sounds jumbly and not like an answer at all. But, you know, it was, it was an interesting read. And it's interesting that, that they're teaching a master class on, on game design, so... I, I liked the original SimCity, and I, I played a lot of The Sims, too. So I like the stuff that this guy has done, I guess, in the past. All right. So we'll go into the next thing here. Uh, so these are... I only really picked two topics here. Uh, I <laughs> picked... You guys know I'm a huge fan of Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. All of it. I, I, I didn't play every single game, but I at least kept up with the storyline. That mm -hmm. means, like, I watch, like, YouTube videos claiming that they broke it down and can predict the next part of the story and it's so on. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, what we've learned, uh, actually... Kingdom Hearts, after like 10 years, after like a decade of wondering when the third game would come out, it actually comes out this month, January uh, this month. I can't get, I, I don't remember the exact date. However, six weeks, six weeks before the release, there was a leak online, on Facebook specifically, <laughs> where somebody was selling the leaked Kingdom Hearts game. None of the developers came out and said, don't worry about that. This is all, this is from a Godaku thing. Stop turning yeah. on bit. Big B, whatever this is. Um, Google thing always turns on and starts trying to type all my words oh, for me. Gotcha. Uh, so the developers came out and said, don't worry, it's okay. None of the spoiler things in the game are actually in the leak. Uh, and that kind of kind of tells me something. It means that if you were to get kind of like the physical disc, when you do those downloads, there's obviously a part of the game that's already there. Mm -hmm. And the parts that are getting downloaded get pulled off of wherever. You know, so that that kind of says something there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, I thought that was kind of interesting for for a lot of people because I know tons of people got in the in on that action, bought the game, was playing it, having some fun. Uh, I'm excited either way. We're uh, at my own. My roommates and I are talking about what console <laughs> we're gonna buy it on, and we're thinking of buying it on the Xbox because we put everything on like one console sure. at home, yeah. and then. We know the system because we both work at Microsoft for a while, so we know how to like get around some things. And so we're looking at buying it on Xbox, which this would be the first Kingdom Hearts game that is cross-platform. That's true. Yeah, actually, Square Enix has been putting a lot of their titles cross-platform. Uh, the last Final Fantasy was the first one to be cross-platform. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll uh, release a console. That was also Soldier Boy run for his money. <laughs> Oh yes, Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. Oh my gosh, we'll get back to it in a yeah. second. But yeah, actually, when around the time that Square Enix started to kind of spread their stuff over, it was also called into question the exclusivity on game on games on certain consoles and how. In the long run, while it might seem good for a console to have just exclusive titles for them for 
for companies that only developed on one console, that means you had a very limited audience and why a lot of game studios started looking at doing cross-platforms. Right, and this, of right. course, kind of did a negative impact on the console industry, which was just like, but, but so you saw a kind of collision between two different businesses. Well, this is why uh, a lot of the exclusive companies like uh, Naughty Dog or Sony Santa Monica or others are also funded by Sony directly. Mm -hmm. uh, because they are not cross-platform games, that also means that their sales are fewer. Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that was a, that's a thing to know. Um, real quickly about the Soja Boy thing, he actually had to discontinue his stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't did, have the article did, pulled up here. But thank you for reminding me. So we reported on how Soldier Boy actually created his own video game console line called the Soldier something, Soldier console or something, something like that. And a lot of people were bringing up like, uh, isn't that like illegal? Doesn't yeah. this bring into question copyright and stuff like that? And the answer is yes, because a I think Nintendo or one of the game game one of the big. <laughs> Big companies actually launched a uh, like a cease and desist <laughs> against yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was telling me uh, I don't follow Soldier Boy on Twitter, uh, <laughs> and you you'll have to duck quack this out. But somebody was telling me that like the day before he was saying on Twitter like Nintendo ain't gonna do <laughs> or something, and, and the very next day like eh. it's like I had to I had to take it down. I can't say why. <laughs> oh man, it's you. All right. Okay. So my final piece here, uh, I'm a game writer. And one of the questions that always comes to me is like, how do you be a game writer, right? And there's also questions that come to me is like, why don't you apply for certain game writing positions? Uh, for like Gearbox. Uh, Gearbox, a lot of their titles is typically satire, right? And so you need somebody that kind of has that witty style and can kind of write in the, those kind of voices. I don't have that. So that's why I don't apply for if there's a writing, even though there was like for like three years there where everybody kept sending me the link mm -hmm. to Gearbox thing. And it's like, it's not that I didn't want to, it's that I knew I wasn't a fit, right? Sure. So, yeah. so a friend of mine, a Andrew Welsh, who is, he, oh, I wish I could just like pull up his thing. He worked, he worked with Lion Gate Studios. He's one of the writers on Fable and he's written on like over 80 something games. I met him at GDC one year. Again, one of the things we always say here is go check out GDC, uh, Game Developer Conference, which is coming up soon. It's one of the ones. Oh, we forgot to talk about the conferences that are coming up, but eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's worked on over 80 games. And he finally said, he, he wrote in a Twitter thread. So you can go check it out at uh, English Scribe on Twitter, Andrew Welsh. And he talks about kind of game act, um, like, may I suggest the following ways that are best ways to improve your game scripts before you get to reading them with actors, right? So this is kind of a thread. But this is also, like, a good thread on just how to hire writers, what writer to kind of look for if you're writing a certain project. If you have a certain voice that you're looking for, you want a writer that can write in that voice. Again, as an example for, like, if I was to try and write for, for Borderlands, I know Borderlands has this very satirical style. They have very comedic beats. I'm not a comedic writer. I would not be able to write for that game. I could try, but it will be subpar to something that your previous writers have had, right? So I'm not gonna apply for that. What writers, what game industry or a lot of game companies tend to do is just either the game the game designer or they just grab somebody that from film that has done writing and said, you're gonna do this 
but they might miss the tone of it. Might miss the tone of it. So his biggest thing was there is like hire a writer that that knows what you're trying to do, that has shown consistently the kind of work that you're that you want your game to kind of be. Right. So it goes on. There, there's a lot of good stuff in here that just talks it, and he uses Bob the Builder as kind of like the, the yeah, meme I'm there. The yeah, it's it's a wonderful <laughs> breakdown of just like what to expect as a game writer in the game industry. And I, I've had people come, and I've I've talked to a couple of different people too, and and stuff. Uh, I mean, even like um, Society of Play. One day when I went to go see. Uh, one of the ladies had passed this guy off to me. And the things that I had seen, he wanted a, a kind of help with understanding how to, how the flow of his story worked. It just, it was very jumbled because he had the text in there. And there were parts in it that didn't make sense. And I would point this out and he goes, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's, that's the insight that a writer can give, right? If you're gonna have text or you have a way that your game is flowing, they can tell you whether or not your breaks make sense, whether or not you're hitting the emotional beats correctly. Right, so those things are, are going on in there. So yeah, my my second thing was his favorite, um, my favorite part here was like hire the right sort of writer. Some writers write comedy, others tragedy. I would put myself more on the tragedies <laughs> myself just based on some of the stuff that I've put out. Also, my jokes always fall flat. Always. <laughs> <clears throat> I think, uh, and that's that covers about. Yeah, about so I, I just finished going through this thread, and it, it does have a lot of really good points about hiring quality writers mm -hmm. and why it's important to hire quality writers. And I would definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned there was new news. I don't know if we've got an article to cite for it. New news on Bethesda things or uh, no new news. No. Okay. At this point, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, the uh, I just wanted to alliterate. Oh. There. Okay. <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. No new news. No new news. Uh, anyway. No, no yeah, new so news. Yeah, so the, the Bethesda drama, there was... Uh, the Fallout 76 drama, I should specify. Okay. Um, there was an additional uh, collector's edition bundle that they put out, mm -hmm. or something like that, uh, where you could get a, a limited edition uh, alcoholic Nuka-Cola. Oh, yes. And it was like a dark rum. Well, uh... The bottle was yeah. It's what they something. advertised. The bottle was was plastic. The rum was bad, and it was like eighty dollars. It's like, well, I mean, you yes, you shouldn't buy alcohol from a game company, but also if you're gonna sell that, at least make it a quality product. Yeah, especially for that price. Yeah, and uh, there's just more drama about that. Yeah, I mean. They'll get themselves. Started. I mean, <laughs> balls. The energy drink is what, like two bucks, and that comes in a nice glass bottle. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> two bucks, <laughs> and it's got it's got bumps on there in case you have a heart attack while drinking right. it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's. Oh man. It's a. Uh, never mind. Oh, this is uh, family friendly. Yeah. Uh, there was one last thing, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but there was just something. Um, you guys know one of my other favorite games is uh, Daddy Dating Simulator? Yes. yes. Yeah. Dream Daddy? By Daddy the people. Yeah, by, uh, so they, they, were, they were kind of the producers on that. But one of the co-directors and co-writers 
on the project actually did a talk on it and it was shared in the discord so it's a youtube it's a youtube video but she was going through kind of looking at how they tackled dream daddy so if you play the game this is kind of a spoiler but if you play the game it's it looks very whimsical right just from the screenshots and the trailers and everything it looks very whimsical but once you get into it you realize that there's actually a very deep story in there and it takes into account like how to raise a child as a single parent dating as a single parent uh tackling depression and so on and so forth those sorts of things so these are very dark topics but they're they kind of wrapped it up in this very cutesy looking um uh game there's like a dating yeah it's a dating simulation it looked yeah it looked like a kind of really ridiculous (laughs) dating simulations and coming off of like the the trend of like crazy gaming simulations we're looking back at like the pigeon dating simulator and stuff like that you know Uh, so coming off of that they talked about how they actually use postmodernism, metamodernism, and uh, that sort of stuff. But one thing that actually caught my attention out of this talk is how to get noticed. And she hit on a topic, and it's been like a a vocab that I've been trying to figure out uh, because I've been trying to come up with a talk to help content creators, including game developers and whatnot, how to get seen, right? She said shareability. And I, that clicked with me. I, I suddenly understood what I've been trying to say to everybody this entire time, right? The, the thing about getting noticed is whether or not your content is meaningful. And what we mean by is your content meaningful is how does your audience absorb information? How do, how do they share that information, right? So you're going to want to be on certain platforms, and she was getting into, she didn't get into like the, the weeds on it, but she was just talking about how in marketing, there's two phases of it. The way that they handle it was both through fan-generated content. So anytime somebody played the game and they drew something about the characters, they would share that out mm-hmm. or they'd point to it or something like that. And that was fan-generated and that's part of the shareability. Then they had their own online marketing side of it, which also led to it. So they were encouraging both sides of of it and they tackled it in a very, very great way. And it obviously was successful since their game, she mentioned that their game actually beat out PUBG for a day. They sold more copies of PUBG, uh, of their own game, Daddy Dating Simulator, Dream Daddy, in, in a day than PUBG. That's how that's how good it was, and it was just because they used a couple of different things. They used postmodernism, they or metamodernism is what she really called it, which is kind of the news phase that she that this new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I highly recommend go going and talking on it because I, I wish I had taken notes down while I was listening to it, but I was doing my hair at the time, right, thing, right. so I wasn't really paying full attention. Uh, but she goes through through it post uh, how how they use modernism and how the history of art and games and everything kind of tie together and led to the success of uh, Dream Daddy. So it's great great talk and I fully fully enjoyed every aspect of it. Yeah, I definitely want to check that talk out. Yeah, it's uh, in the Discord, okay. which. Sedway, if you want to join our conversation, you can always join us on Discord. If you are not on Discord and you want a link, just hit one of the co-hosts up or hit any of the members. Uh, you can check us up at meetup.com. That's usually where we post whatever events we're going to happen have happened. Uh, usually we only have our Thursdays and Friday clubs. Thursdays is at Whole Foods off of Runner Road. Friday is here at Nirvana Coffee. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. And of course... 
let's make sure we do our shout outs. Thank you to Nirvana Coffee. Today I came in and said I didn't want coffee, but I wanted some like hot chocolate. But they have like that, that chocolate that they have to melt down. Right. And it wasn't fully melted. So they figured out a solution for me. And I've been drinking and sipping on some hot chocolate here. And they just had like some mocha thing. That's how awesome they are here. So huge shout out to them to figuring out how to make me a drink without, <laughs> without the need for <laughs> caffeine. Of course, we're letting us use this podcast. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, but the thank, cocoa. thank you for the cocoa. <laughs> Thank you for the cocoa. I always think back to like the comment one of the guys said, which is like, I'm here to make you a great drink. And that speaks volumes on like how they how they handle stuff. So they they run a good team. Mm -hmm. Good group of people. Mm -hmm. And as always, thank you to Trey, who has been absolutely awesome. He he's been working and navigating his new job, which we're super excited for him. And he is still keeping up with keeping our podcast sounding amazing. I was about to say sounding and looking, but you can't really see here. (laughs) But we're pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So, super, super thanks to them. Who else do we want to do a shout out to? Well, of course, Anwar. Anwar. I'm sorry, I... I Anwar is how I usually pronounce. Yeah, he's been super on top of it. He might even start joining us for a couple of episodes here and there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which means that we're all gonna have to like, cause we can only really fit like four people on the podcast with the way we have set have it set up unless we change our our setup here. Um, but we only have like one microphone. I wanna take a picture of like our setup, just, just to kind of show it. But we only have like one microphone that we're all shouting at. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to figure out so Anwar can come in and just kind of be as awesome as we know he is. Uh, then we have, who else do we have to thank? Everybody for tuning in. Blizzard for having yeah. so much drama. Yeah. Who's making that Sonic movie? Because oh man, oh, thank oh. you. We didn't even touch bad. that. Jeez. Yeah. So we're going right. to be going to see it as as Coffee Club. If if anybody oh, listening is interested. All right. Okay. We're, we're, oh my, we need to. We're like, organizing a midnight show. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, set up. Set up. Uh. Yeah, picture time. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. This our podcast. We try to get it out every Wednesday. But if we make a mistake, you understand we're a volunteer service. And if you'd like to volunteer, let us know. You can hit up any of the organizers, which is usually just the people that are on the podcast. to let us know if you have an idea that you would like to. We want to expand the club. want to expand the podcast this year. So 2019 looks to be exciting. Yeah, it does. Some, some new things coming. If you liked mm-hmm. us in 2018, just wait. <laughs> yeah. We're hotter. And <laughs> we're bigger, bolder, and uncut. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. We, we are cut. Very cut. Oh, yeah, right. We got quiet noises. <laughs> All right. All right. Have guys. a good one. Take care. Happy New Year.